coffee today and I'll go to school tomorrow. First impressions are incredibly important. Honey, you can make a wonderful first impression. Brenda, how could you? He was a jerk, okay? I've made my choice and I choose me. North-South Connection Podcast Network listeners, welcome inside the world of currently West Beverly High and maybe beyond. I am JT, and this is 9021 No-So, a Beverly Hills 9020 podcast retrospective series. And I'll be honest, this is something I've wanted to do for quite a while. Uh, I think way back, I almost started a written project back at placemation.com. Uh, and then I've come close to pulling the trigger a couple of times on a podcast series. We did uh, kind of a, a retrospective, like all in episode of talk and pop on the PlayStation pop feed a couple of years ago. And I was close then. Uh, and then it's just, it's just kind of been top of mind with it on Pluto. It's on Paramount plus it's on, it's, it's kind of back out there and it's just been something floating uh, in my mind for a while. And if you're new here, if you found us, uh, maybe through a different means, because this is a little bit different than the content that we usually offer on the website. Uh, I should say on the pod- podcast feed. Uh, welcome in. Uh, we do uh, mainly focus on wrestling, but we do have some pop culture stuff in here, too. And this will be hopefully one that sticks around for a while. So I'm not going to belabor the point, but I do just want to talk about the format of the show. So uh, my plan is to go chronologically through the history of the uh, series, episode by episode. Um, but I'm not going to do recaps. I'm just going to do kind of a quick synopsis of what happened in the episode. We're going to do some takeaways, and then we're going to do uh, categories that we've created. And we'll talk the episode through those categories. We'll do a final ranking. I've done some tracking, different stuff uh, that we'll get to as we move along here. And uh, we'll see how far we go. I'm also going to welcome in rotating co-hosts. So it'll be me as the only primary host, but I'm going to have a pretty regular set cast. Uh, my plan is to get diehards. My plan is to get maybe people that got in later and also maybe some haters or some 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 of those have never seen it to get their thoughts as well as we move along. I want to really try to mix things up. But my first guest uh, is a diehard. He's one of the original 9021 bros. Uh, we've been talking about 2.0 for a long time. And amazingly enough, we've also done a lot of audio together. We even co-host a, a show together. But I don't I don't know, Tim Cable, if we've ever done a show just me and you, my friend. JT Rizzo. I'm not sure it has been just the two of us on a show. But um, I, I really like this format. I like keeping it tight, keeping it concise, having a, a rotating guest panel, perhaps, uh, should keep things fresh. I think it's the right way to do it. This is a long fabled, I think long promised uh, <laughs> podcast project. We all wanted to do it every time we do something that's related to 90210, tangentially related or, or doing like a, as you said, that retrospective or like a live watch on Pluto, it just gets, it gets those creative juices flowing again. So you're like, all right, I'm going to pull the trigger. And that's <laughs> what bumped me on this one. Because yeah. we, you know, in the pandemic era, right, we've been doing these, uh, a, yeah. a group of us that are, are close friends. We do a Saturday night Skype call late at night and usually we'll watch wrestling or we'll, you know, we'll talk. It's just a way, right. To keep in touch and bullshit. Sure. Yeah. It was a way to kill time and stay sane for a while. Um, and now it's just kind of become a tradition. Well, last week, uh, before we were able to switch over to the wrestling, uh, we happened to notice, I, I think you were watching, right, on Pluto? Yeah, we were, we were We were just farting around looking for something to watch. We were on Pluto. Again, we had done the um, 
live watch of yes, the infamous yes. flashback, 60s flashback episode of, of 90210. Um, so look for that podcast if you want for more 90210. Yeah, time. I guess we'll pause right there quick at the uh, Jenny Position podcast mm-hmm. feed. If you just search the Jenny Position. Yes, she does a show called, uh, if you heard about Pluto, um, where she'll have a different guest every other week and just live watch something random on Pluto TV. And uh, you and I were the guests on that a couple weeks ago back. And uh, we did we, we did live watch an episode of 920, like you said. It's the infamous one yes. with the – they go back to the 1969, the Vietnam War, Brenda finds a diary, et cetera, et cetera. So that, that initially got the, got the juice flow. And then last week mm-hmm. we did um, – as we were waiting to kill some time to switch over to some wrestling – uh, we realized it was um, the iconic, uh, well, about to be the iconic. It was actually the episode before it, but then it was set to be the iconic episode uh, in Palm Springs, mm-hmm. which I believe was what, season five? Season five finale. Yeah, back yes. to back. We managed to catch the I Choose Me. Yeah, that's what it was. An yeah. ultimate episode, which is also Andrea's farewell. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the uh, the great uh, Sp- Palm Springs getaway weekend that you and I love so much. Um, just happened to catch them, like of all episodes, for them to be showing. Pluto just kind of rotates through the first five seasons, I gather. I, I think, think that's those it, are, yeah. yeah, those are the only ones. But, I mean, five, ep- five seasons worth of episodes is a hell of a lot of content. And for us to just so happen to catch those <laughs> iconic, we, we had to do it. We had to watch it. Right. Um, which we did on the call, and uh, it surprisingly held our interest for, you know, as kind of um, rambunctious as these calls <laughs> tend to get. I think it it sort of actually kept us focused, which is um, shocking. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to relive it. Uh, you know, spoiler, it's, it's probably like a top three episode all the time for me, if not number one. Um, mm. And, yeah, there's so much happens in that one. So we, we, we watched it, and then all that week after – it was just like in my head between listening yeah. back to the Pluto one and then having watching that, it's like, ah, oh, this feels like it's finally the time. And I've just never figured out the format. And then I was cutting the grass the other night and it just kind of, <laughs> it just kind of clicked for me for whatever reason that like, this is how I wanted to do it. So uh, real briefly uh, a minute or less or so, Tim, just tell me yep. your history of like when you started watching the show and like, did you see it through? Like, when did you stop? Yeah, so I guess OG9021 bro here, I, I was watching it, not from the jump, I would have been way too young when the show actually debuted in 1990, but I started watching it like kind of late into the fourth season as it aired. Um, mind you, I was still entirely too young to be watching the show, I would have been in fourth grade, um, <laughs> and the reason I know that is... is my birth year and my school years kind of line up with the seasons right. of the show. So it's, it's easy <laughs> to figure out. Um, I don't have to put too much thought into that. So I know it was like, you know, fourth grade. I'm, I'm watching this show, this teen drama that it's not the most appropriate thing, but you know, it's the nineties parents didn't really care about stuff like that. Um, you know, you don't stop and think about how much, just trash you used to watch as a kid because it existed and there was nothing. There were only so many options. Yeah. Yeah. There was nothing else to do, nothing else to watch. Most of it was bad. And I mean, children today do not have that experience. They're not watching anything that is not very specifically dialed into their particular interests or niche, you know, but totally different world back then. So I'm watching the show kind of getting into it. Don't entirely understand it you know, like everything that happens because right. I am so young, but I don't know. There's like older kids that maybe talk about it a little bit. So 
I felt a little bit cool um, watching this, you know, hip, very of the moment type of show. And I mean, I got locked in as of, I didn't see like every episode as it aired um, weekly back then, but I, I got locked in with season five. So it would have been going into like fifth grade and that's where I'm, I'm just addicted to it, watching it every week. Of course, that's the introduction of Valerie. So I'm more of a, you know, maybe controversially more of a Valerie fan than, mm-hmm. a, than a Brenda fan, which I understand that, um, you know, not everyone is going to be cool with that, but just to let folks know where, <laughs> where my uh, loyalties lie. Um, kept watching it through, I would say most of season eight, like when Dylan left and then Noah came in and that's where I started to like really drift off, just right. lost interest in the shows, too many original characters gone. Um, I did sort of start watching it again when Dylan came back. Uh, so like season nine, 10, I, I know I haven't seen, I didn't watch those in their entirety at the time, but I would pop in here and there and sort of kept up with it. So there was a gap there, like from end of season eight into early nine, but yep. for the most part, yeah, I saw it through. Um, and as I was watching again, like from season five, season six, they started, Airing in syndication reruns, I think at the time would have been on the WB. Yeah, that sounds um, right. They aired it weekdays. It was like weekday afternoon. So I was like in fucking 90210 heaven, you know, watching the show, new episodes as they came out and getting caught up uh, from the beginning. You know, I'd never seen those earlier episodes. And I was like, oh my God, I can watch this show literally every single day. So. And eventually they, um, I think at first they were just doing the first three seasons in syndication and then they threw four on there. So I got caught up with, you know, what I didn't see from season four. So very quickly I was able to see Everything. pretty much all of the show. Yeah. As it existed at, at that time, um, you know, about four and a half seasons worth. Yeah. I, I want to say I got into it like season three because I remember the Paris stuff <clears throat> and I vividly remember like Dylan and Kelly getting together, like in the pool and then Dylan's dad getting blown up. <laughs> I remember all that stuff. Right. Um, so I would have been 11 or so when that hit. Uh, and I, I mean, I watched with my mom, which like seems crazy now. Mm. And then I think there was a time I want to say, so I would have been 11 when it started probably within a couple of years, we'd both watch, but separately, <laughs> like it started to get like a little weird, you know, like, yeah, uh, that, I'd be watching it's this awkward. as I say, it was like 14, 15, you know, it gets a little odd. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I'd go to my room and she would watch it in the living room, but my cousin, Melissa was a diehard fan. So I had her and her and I would always talk about it. She was a couple of years younger than me, but, uh, we were the two, uh, two in the family that were really like the diehard 902 and O fans. Oh. And I, I stuck with it. Um, I definitely remember Dylan leaving, I think I did the whole season after that with Susan. And then mm-hmm. I want to say it was like close to when Brandon left. I think I kind of dipped out. Uh, but I definitely came. I remember watching the finale. So I think that was like appointment TV for me. Like I came back to watch that um, to see what happened and how it wrapped up. But I, I don't really think I paid much attention, which would have made sense. Because yeah. uh, those last two seasons were what? Uh, yeah, 99, 2000. Oh, yeah, so yeah. like. 
I mean, I went to college in September 98. So that's probably around. I stopped watching it when I went, went to college, I'm guessing. Um, and then uh, I, I must have been home probably because the finale was May 17th. I probably had just gotten home freshman year or something. I remember watching that episode at my house. So, um, all right. So that's that's our history there. So let's move along. Let's talk uh, Beverly Hills 90210 season one, episode one, class of Beverly Hills. So Minnesota and look. This is what we're going to do. I'm literally going to read the four sentences from Wikipedia and then we're going to move on. Right. That's all. <laughs> yes. If you want to, if you want to know details of what happens in this episode, watch the episode. It's streaming on Hulu. It's on, uh, what CBS all X at Paramount, whatever. It's called. Yeah. 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 It's not hard to find. Um, no. so anyway, <laughs> Oh, and we should shout out to, um, you found an Instagram account. That's awesome. Right. Because as you know, yeah, yeah. as most people know, all these streaming services, one of the big issues in now too, when I was all the music, there's so mm-hmm. much like current music they would use. And a lot of it's du- most of it's dubbed out. Um, but Tim found an awesome Instagram account that is remastering scenes, uh, with the actual songs, which is really cool. So it's not whole episodes. It's just like the scenes themselves with the songs on it. Do you have the title in front of you? The, uh, yeah, it's the Instagram account is BH 90210 restored all just, you know, one word. Um, so BH 90210 restored. Um, I think that the person, you know, curating that is, is through like about this fifth season, like about halfway done. Uh, but committing to committed to seeing it through to the end. I mean, it's kind of a pain in the ass cause you got to scroll all the way down <laughs> to the end slash beginning of this Instagram page to, you know, see the and season. I keep, one my problem is I kept getting derailed. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's it's really easy to do. So, I mean, just like all these old shows, they they had no idea that streaming or, or home media would ever be a, a realistic concept, you know, back in 1990 when it was produced. And the thing is that 90210, more than most shows, had a lot of contemporary music used in its episode. I mean, exponentially more. So it, it really sucks that you don't get to hear with other stuff. You're kind of like, eh, it wasn't a big part of the show anyway. Who cares that much? But I, I really do think that the music was a big part of what made the show, the show um, Agreed. at the time. So it, it, it definitely adds to the experiences, you know, just see these scenes as they were originally presented. Um, so, you know, you watch the stuff on Hulu and, streaming whatever even on dvd you're gonna have these horrible mm-hmm. dubs which um i mean if you never saw the show in the first place maybe you don't notice know. But, yeah but it is important so that those were not yeah. the real songs and for um, this show we're we're trying to hunt like we have some yeah. uh from other means that have the music so we're gonna try to do our best but at the very least we'll list the songs at the end that were in the episode you want to uh, know something crazy that i just found out today though justin what's that <laughs> Pull the curtain back a little bit. Um, after all the sort of hemming and hawing that that I was doing, trying to find like a source that had the original, like all the original songs intact in the pilot, I went on Hulu of all things, played it. I swear to God, they're all the original songs in the pilot. Wow, that's crazy. It is. It is. So for the pilot, at least, if you watch that on Hulu, I, I can't speak to other streaming services. I don't know how it's sourced, but. Watch that pilot on Hulu. You will get the original. I don't know why. I don't know if they fucked up. I don't know if it's a different rights issue because it's a pilot. So maybe it's more like a movie than a sh- I don't know. So they but, don't have the French hot in here? Yeah. yeah <laughs> <right>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not 
<laughs> so the music that we talk about in this episode, you can actually hear it on Hulu. Um, if you don't have Hulu, just go to this Instagram and, you know, you'll at least see the clips of the various scenes. But um, it's crazy. After all that, I'm like, shit, it's on Hulu. But, <laughs> you know, I checked I checked other episodes and it's like, nah, these are all dubs. Um, yeah, that's so weird. I, yeah, I have no idea why they made that exception just for the pilot. <laughs> All right, so Minnesota natives Brandon and Brenda Walsh begin attending West Beverly Hills High and experience culture shock as they become exposed to glamour, wealth, and privilege that the new classmates possess. Following a romantic date, Brandon accidentally spreads a rumor about him sleeping with a notorious party girl. Brenda uses a fake ID to get to a nightclub and passes herself off as a college student and begins to date a young lawyer. Two freshman students, named David and Scott, attempt to navigate their way through the social scene at school. So this aired on October 4th, 19. 19- 90. So it is a very 90 show, not 1989, which I always get mixed up. I always, for some reason, think it was 89, but yes, it does start. Yeah. Well, sometimes you might think it is it the 89, 90 television season. Um, but no, it's, it's the 90, 91 television season. So this tells me I, I would have been in first grade <laughs> when this aired. Yeah. So. so I would have been, uh, nine. So wow. that is third grade, I guess. Yeah. Um, all right, so we have nine categories we're going to get to, and then I've uh, tracked every character I'm going to keep track of as they debut, uh, every relationship that appears, and then uh, like key key places and things. Um, and then at the end of the show, Tim, we're going to rank uh, all the main characters, uh, which good. I have noted that there are uh, 10 of them. Yes. And they'll get reverse points. We'll, we'll track that going forward. All right, so I wanted to just hit some... It's kind of things that I picked up watching the episode, and then we'll get into the categories. Uh, so off the gate, out of the gate, Brenda is, like, flipping out in the morning, the first day of school, because she doesn't have anything to wear. And I feel like if the outfit is so important to her, and I know they had just moved because there's boxes everywhere, I yeah. feel like she would have put some time into thinking about what to wear at this outfit. She would have figured like, it out, yeah. Yeah, already. it's like she had seen other people already, right? Because she doesn't really let on yet that she's seen. She just kind of knows she's going to look good in Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it, it's sort of nebulous, the timing here, as far as when exactly did they move in. It's obviously right. not their first night, but as you said, they're still unpacking boxes. It is the first day of school, um, so they, they've made it in time to start the school year um, on the actual first day. It's not like they're coming in uh, in the middle of the academic year or something. But, yeah, well, at the same time, though, this is Brenda acting very Brenda, right, where just everything yes. is the biggest deal in the world, which... I kind of appreciate that because it feels very, that's what uh, being a teenager is, right? It just, everything's do and die. mm -hmm, Yeah. Well, and I think it did a good job too of showcasing her, what become a pretty big character trait for her for a while is her thirsts to be accepted and fit in, uh, where she always kind of feels like the odd duck uh, throughout this, honestly, throughout the series, um, where she rarely at times, you know, at times she'll find it, but rarely ever feels like she really fits in. And that kind of is already on display here. Mm-hmm. Which is very sort of ironically contrasted uh, among her peer group. Like all of her mm-hmm. friends really do accept her from the jump as, yeah. as we'll see. And she sort of like wants the things that they have and they are more coveting her lifestyle with the, the stable family life, the, the loving home, like just the, the sense of um, normalcy that, mm-hmm. that the Walsh's, represent in this show and in this universe that really none of the other characters have or or have to some degree but it's in a very like kind of heightened reality <laughs> you know like 
Donna may come from a loving family, but um, they don't. They certainly don't travel in the same circles as the Walshes. Right, right. And speaking of the Walshes, so we see the first glimpse of the Walsh home, and it's uh, it's kind of it's wrong. It, yeah, it's 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 not the, it's not that Walsh house. No. Um, so I guess we'll see how quick the the real one you know shows up. I'm guessing by the next episode that they're in the house we would know and love. But this was like it took me. It, I was all discombobulated. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The kitchen is all wrong. The exterior is totally out of place. Um, you know, this is one of those things I put down as not so much a cat. This may be a category just for this episode, pilotitis, <laughs> where just the things that will change very quickly and that you see with pilots of these long running shows, just totally off like the house. Um, you know, you don't have all the characters there. Um, I want to say some of the, parents particularly one in this episode is played by somebody else entirely um i think even some of the the parents names are different which is gonna come up later in this first season uh so they're 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 working through some things at brandon's car it's it's not um mondale is it right no, it is not. It's like, uh, you know, a Chevy shitbox, basically, mm-hmm. this brown car. And, it, and it's cool, the juxtaposition they do out of the gate. So I liked how they kind of wrapped the open. It was an extended open for this episode into like a montage of them coming to school and kind of showing off like what Beverly Hills is going to look like for them. Oh, and my them God, driving. that montage. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was really well done. Plus, you get the extended version of the song, which is cool. Which is uh, not the song either yet. It's uh, that's going to go through a few permutations before they they figure it out. Right. But it's kind of there, right? I mean, it's... Uh, yeah, it's recognizable. It's just right. a little bit more... feels a little more 80s than, than it does 90s. I think. Right, right. <laughs> um, so we get that, and we see Steve's Corvette. Steve Sanders uh, makes his appearance in the montage uh, with the iconic license plate already. That is one thing that's not piloted. That is already established. Mm-hmm. I-8-4-R-E uh, uh, as his um, license plate, of course, which was... Uh, you know, that, that stays with us, I think, through the entirety of the show. So Yeah, and his vet... <laughs> And Steve, I mean, he's horny for Kelly Taylor right away. Uh, you know, you could tell he's like pissed that they broke up. He's obviously, you know, bugs him throughout the episode quite a bit. So this is like establishing their backstory a little bit. And I actually thought they did it pretty well. Um, like we know by the end of this that they were together. Steve claims he broke up with her, but it's clearly he's like, you know, completely still in love with her and uh, wants to get back with her. And that's, you know. It, it seeps through everything he says and right now to him trolling her when she says she got a no job, he says it looks like it took about a foot off of it. Uh, <laughs> right. like, you know, he's already like, you know, you could tell he's just like ornery about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. He's kind of nagging her, but at the same time it's, it's Steve and he sort of makes a good first impression, honestly, um, yeah. for this it's, show. I it, loved just, this episode. Yeah. The way he, he pulls in in the Corvette and gets out and you know, like this guy's all business right away. And, uh, we were kind of comparing notes back and forth before this, and both both of us made the observation this isn't quite as Walsh-centric as mm. we sort of remembered it being. Um, because you get this exchange between Steve and Kelly, and as you said, just sets up a lot of history there with, you know, not a Walsh in sight. Like, I remember going into this pile, and I was thinking, okay, it's, it's basically the Walsh's show. We're not going to yep. see... A scene. We're not going to see an interaction between characters that does not include a Walsh kind of thing, right, like right. whether it's one of the kids, one of the parents. But no, really, we're seeing like actual characters outside of this family having sort of fully formed lives. Steve That's and what Kelly. I love about it too. Like they're mm-hmm. not they're not establishing these new. 
these other people. Like it really feels like us and the Walshes have been dropped into this world yeah. that has been circulating all this time. So we're not we're not resetting everybody. Like it's I thought they did a nice job with that writing on that. Like just, just I did too. Everything felt you know, and, and where it wasn't, it was clear why. Like David and Scott Scanlon, David Silver and Scott Scanlon aren't are freshmen. So like that's why they're not on the radar of these other people. But like, you know, Donna, Kelly, Steve, like they all know each other and, and have a world that's already been built that now we're c- coming into. Um, you know, and we also established the Walsh's kind of as studs out of the gate. Like Brandon, uh, you know, clearly has you know, got the looks down already. And like, you know, he's kind of mm-hmm. desirable. Brenda. Uh, you know, they're both positions was it like where right the principal like out of the gate, like the grades are good, they're great students, so like the yep. good looking, like you know, they're gonna fit in. It's just how easily will they fit in? But you yeah, know, they, they're they're not gonna have a hard time making friends. And I'm I'm glad the show didn't like try to make that a plot point or, or right. some kind of conflict of oh we can't make friends we're the new kids. Like clearly they're they're not gonna have any struggles socially or probably academically. Right. As right. you said with this the scene with the principal who the principal is also. Different, um, yeah. Not Mrs. Teasley, so <laughs> I don't know. He's if a little creepy, sees. honestly. We'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah, yeah, that that's another whole like, what well, were they so, doing? <laughs> yeah, so it, the interesting thing to me that was one thing that really stood out. Um, that in some ways it felt very say by the bell to me, where they really focused a lot on the teachers, which isn't a thing later. <laughs> unless to begging the students, um, it's not a it's not a thing later really like to have focus on the class and this this episode had a lot of focus on like the classroom what's yep. going on in the classroom the teachers like kind of had personalities um what was the was the weird chemistry guy was that the principal from billy madison i meant to look it up because it oh just god like yeah you might be right um i didn't i didn't think to look but but you're right. Yeah, we we see this named chemistry teacher. We have a Spanish teacher again, the principal, and I mean they. There's even a scene between the like the principal is hitting on the the Spanish teacher and asked her out on date on a date, and I'm like, was was there some kind of intention to give the teachers subplots of their own in the show? Because that is something that never happens <laughs> at any point in this in this series, and it's. It's just one of those insane things that you can tell that they were throwing out there to just see if they wanted to develop it or if it caught on. And obviously they abandoned it very quickly. Yeah, so I don't think he was the same guy. It looks just like him, though. Josh Mostel plays Principal Max Anderson. I don't see Nano 2 and 0 in his filmography, so I guess not. But it looked just like him, did it? I mean, it was, I thought it was him for sure when he got out of that car. Um, and then the way he acts later. Yeah. Definitely. So he looks like very, him. like, pressed. All the all the adults, all the teachers, when they pull up in the scene with, oh, he looked yeah, miserable when he gets out of the car. He's like, "Fuck, like, back to school." You could just see the the whites in their eyes. <laughs> um, David and Scott seem so tiny. Uh, oh, God, like yeah. just miniature men in this big giant fucking world. Uh, they did a good job casting them, given their size differential. I mean, they're like adolescents, basically. I mean, people talk about, people joke about how all the actors were like too old to be mm-hmm. playing high school students, and it's like not in their case. Like, not them, no. They look too young. Yeah. Like they if they were like, they look like they were like in seventh grade, maybe in this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they do establish some stuff. So right away, Brenda and Kelly get brought together by fate when there's a brute <laughs> that wants to get sit down at the at Kelly Science. <laughs> 
Science lab. Yeah, Martha like, dump truck here imported from Heather's. <laughs> she's like, seat's taken. You know, seat's taken. Yeah. And then, uh, and Brenda just happens to be standing there, and Kelly says, oh, yeah, she's sitting here. So they meet that way. And then same thing happens with Brandon and Steve, where they kind of meet by fate uh, in uh, Spanish class, where they happen mm-hmm. to be sitting next to each other. So both of them kind of stumble into each other. But we also establish right away that Brandon's going to go right for the Beverly Blaze which is the newspaper, and yep. he meets Andrea there, who's immediately a know-it-all and annoying, uh, but also a little smitten by Brandon, you can tell. Uh, again, those looks on display. Um, and then one last thing I, I noted, too, that they kind of already set the stage for is Brandon and Kelly kind of feeling vibes on each other. They both comment that the other one's cute from afar. Mm-hmm. So, like, were you surprised some of the stuff that was already established, like, this early? Like, I didn't expect Brandon, like, th- him going to the newspaper was, like, within, like, 20 minutes of the first episode, he's, like, signing up. And this is, yeah, like, a huge yeah. part of his identity. Yeah, well, that part I was sort of, I, I knew he got involved, you know, in journalism and in high school pretty early on. So that part didn't, and they had to somehow establish his relationship with Andrea. So I was like, yeah, that's more, that more or less tracks with my memories, but kind of the foreshadowing, it's not even really foreshadowing with him and Kelly, um, totally caught me off guard. I was like, I don't remember them even having any sort of opinion one way or another towards each other, like for several seasons, (laughs) but yeah, no, it's, it's I mean, it seems, yeah, they're, even if it's really? a seeds for way down the line, like they've established that on some level, there's some feeling of attraction there. Admiring each other from afar here from this pilot. Yeah. All right. So uh, they focus a lot on them adjusting to the big time. Uh, you know, we get, and then we get the big party at Marianne's house. Uh, Scanlon. Yes. Yes. Marianne Moore. We'll talk a lot about her. I think uh, Scott Scanlon is shoved in the pool looking like a clown. That was funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, I guess we can start here because this, I don't know, we're all over the place a little bit, but let's talk about the best scene because it's its here for me. And that is uh, okay. David and Steve uh, driving through the night. As, uh, so Steve gets loaded at the party because he gets pissed at Kelly. And he just, you know, had kind of ran into David Silver earlier in the night. And that's where uh, David's are fanboying over uh, Samantha Sanders, his mom, who's a soap opera star. And afterward David's outside because Scott kind of took off on him because he, they lost yes. track of each other and David ends up, even though he has no license, has never driven uh, uh stick shift. He's going to drive Steve's uh, Corvette as Steve's hammered. And I, I love this whole, this whole scene um, with, you know, it actually might have some 40 year old version vibes with the drunk Steve in the car and David's oh, trying yeah. to just fucking survive the ride. You get the, um, you know, Kelly and the girls come by and he's trying to impress them. And then the, the cop pulls up next to him and he's wearing the football helmet just to try. So he doesn't obviously look as young as he is. And then uh, you get to the end of the scene where he drops him off and David forgets to put the parking brake on and the car, the, the vet slides down the hill and smashes into another car and David takes off. But I thought this yep. was this was my favorite scene, which is our first category to talk about. Um, my favorite scene of the whole episode was this this night riding stuff. What did you think? I, I'm going to back you up. That was that struck me right away, too, as, as my favorite scene. I knew they were going to have a hard time topping that. And I just I didn't think they did. I love the party setting itself. But then just seeing Steve from the moment he gets loaded and just thrown out of the party and uh, has this little meet cute with David, mm-hmm. <laughs> which they have really great chemistry. Oh, um, they're so good all throughout this right away, right away, which again, I don't remember them just being that good and playing off of each other so well, um, especially just immediately like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, I mean, 
Steve gets some very good drunk dialogue as well. Um, you know, telling David, Oh, you can do it. You know, like he's just taking this all in stride. You know, it's not like he's being an obnoxious, he is very obnoxious, but it's not like he's being a belligerent drunk. He's not right. being an asshole to David. He's like, Hey, drive me home. It's fine. It's no big deal. Drive my Corvette. And, you know, David doesn't even have a license, um, manages to do it, but then, uh, wrecks the car once it's actually in park, which is, is gr- a great little comedic. It is bit. funny that he makes it that far before it yeah. all hell breaks loose. And I was, I mean, Steve's friends, he had a bunch of friends with him. I didn't, one of the, they just kind of left it with him and took off. Yeah. Well, um, kind of telling maybe Steve doesn't have as many friends as he thinks he does, you know, like, or, or he doesn't have very good friends. Um, clearly. That he's reliant on this uh, freshman to take him home, but you know he's saying things like, oh, "Just put the gas and the ignition and stuff on the key." Like, <laughs> right, he's gone. It's kind of cheesy, kind of goofy, but that I mean, it reminded me of, I don't know, like a like an '80s teen movie in some ways. Yeah. Just yeah. especially with David getting pulled over, and then you see him in the the visual gag where he's in the the football uniform. Um, just really, really great stuff there. It's it's not necessarily what you think of when you just think of good scenes from this show, but from this pilot, I, I really enjoyed all that. Yeah, it was fun. And, and to me, it wasn't just like the best of like a shaky pilot. Like it was actually, it was like a legitimately good scene mm-hmm. um, for sure. All of it. And it establishes their chemistry. And we also learned a little about David because he says at some point in here, like, he was able to drive the car because when your parents are divorced, your dad will basically do anything to keep you happy on the weekends. Yeah. So. He's talking about the uh, divorce par- parental guilt card that he's been playing basically. So we learned that he comes from a broken home. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's established. All right. So now we go back to, back to the school and, um, I, it, you know, uh, Kelly's creating a fake ID for Brenda, but I couldn't tell like, was she using a pencil to alter her actual ID or was it a I'm full sure. fake ID? Like, I'm like, were IDs that flimsy in the late 80s and early 90s that you could, like, just mark it with a pencil and you were good to go? It was like a little piece of paper. Yeah, it was, and it's just a paper ID. We see it get torn up by the bouncer, who, by the way, did you recognize this bouncer? It wasn't until later today that I realized that that guy is actually, like, a name actor. He looks really familiar to me. Who was it? It's, uh... Jaimon Hansu, I don't know if I might be butchering that name, but he was um, a pretty notable character actor. He's kind of like been in everything. Um, He's not the guy in Dodgeball, is he? Because it looked like him. Um, uh, I don't think it's him. He's in Dodgeball. He's in, um, you would know him from Guardians of the Galaxy. He's the... The guy who um, basically arrests Peter Quill and, you know, uh, uh, Quill is giving him the third degree. Like, don't you know who I am? And he's like, I'm Star-Lord. And the guy, he goes, who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He's that guy. Okay. So. And the, the dodgeball guy I'm thinking of is not, obviously, I know, crazy-ass killer, not him. Um, but the guy who drives drives the motorcycle for Ben Stiller, mm-hmm. that guy is like bodyguard. Gladiator. Um, he was in Gladiator also, which okay. was a pretty big, pretty big role in that. Well, it's a big role here uh, because he, he yeah. does allow Brenda in. But he kicks the rest of them out. And I, I thought it was a little shitty on multiple ends. I, I mean, like, I get he doesn't want to let them in, but he just let their friend in. Like, I know. I like, mean, it was like a real douchebag move. Like, just, I know he's pissed that they tried to fake their way in, but at least, like, go grab the girl so they don't leave her there. I mean, that was, like, that to me was a little unrealistic. And I don't Yeah, because like, there's, no, there's no way Brenda is more convincing than her friends that oh, she's right. there with, you know? Like, but even beyond that, like, 
once he let her in and he said no to them, like, and they're like, that's our friend. Like a little compassion, let him go mm-hmm. get her friend so they know. Like she just lets him, he just lets like, her go in on her own. Yeah, okay, let this not only underage girl run around this club, but now completely unaccompanied by. Right. Yeah, it seems like real reckless of a bouncer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then but this is where we got on the version we watched. We had the fake uh, knockoff a hot in here playing in the club, uh, which was funny. Oh um, my god, yeah, the dueling um, <laughs> people shaking their asses to <laughs> different songs. One a bad dub, one the actual whatever it was, which I didn't really recognize either, so to be honest with you, but that's 1990. All right, so then we get uh, Creeper Jason uh, comes in at the bar and actually ends up being a little less creepy um, than I thought he would. Like, at first, he comes off pretty creepy, but by the end, he's actually not, not too bad. Uh, well, at the end, he is, but in the oh, middle. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it gets uh, worse. So he's a lawyer. He kind of entraps Brenda to stick around and have a drink, and she eventually caves. Uh, we go from there. So again, I told you I wasn't going to recap. These are just things I've noted. Um, I, I thought Brandon, uh, so Brandon ends up, you know, he, he chats up. We haven't talked about Marianne yet. Marianne Moore, who is the party host. And it's almost like this um, mythical character in the school. It feels like, like everyone thinks she's a yeah. party girl, but she's actually kind of reserved. Uh, so she's got this like mysterious vibe about her and uh, her and Brandon met at the party. And then they go for a date. They ride on the bike. Uh, which and then in the hot tub, I thought this is all pretty hot and well done. I, I believe. Mm, yeah. Uh, Those lips, man. She had some uh, some real 1990 duck lips action going on. And I do want to talk about scene, but we'll get there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't want to say why Brenda went back to the apartment with the guy. Like, like she's going to this guy's apartment, and then she's surprised he wants a bang. Like, like what did you think <laughs> was going to happen? Like, she's all surprised. Like. Yeah. I, I don't get the thought process from her from going to be like scared to not wanting the drink. And then, okay, we'll go back to your apartment. Like it just, it seemed like a real big escalation by her. I think it's just kind of that, um, 16 year old brain logic, uh, yeah. where, and, and especially filtered through Brenda's sensibilities, which we talked about how she's sort of desperate for, for acceptance oh, yeah. and, and wants to fit in, wants to, be perceived as mature and together and, you know, so much older than she is. And, um, you know, she, she clearly hasn't put a lot of thought behind this. It's, it's not like she went in there planning to, um, be picked up by some guy alone. Um, which by the way, this guy, Jason, he's dressed like a henchman from a, from a James <laughs> Bond. Bill. It's the casual male. Uh, yeah. It's kind of this black and white ensemble going on he's you know very generically 90s handsome Mm -hmm. um you know i think they established he's what 25 so eh, i I don't know some of this the interactions between them i got the sense that there was no way he didn't know already that she was underage and he was just kind of stringing her along um i don't know i don't know i don't i think he thought she was at least probably like yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's kind of their intention. I'm just sort of the yeah. way it reads today. I'm almost like I feel like he knew what he was doing and was sort of it's it sort of getting off on oh, right. treating her like shit almost. Um, and well, and then feel less than I was surprised that he I was surprised that he drove her home and didn't force mm-hmm. like I was waiting for it to be like a force thing and she escapes or something. And he's like, yeah. yeah uh, so he ends up being okay in that scene. Uh, now you mentioned the pilotitis. Uh, we do see the fake Jackie Taylor here, uh, which was <laughs> right. annoying. Um, and she also pronounces mature, mature, which mature. I 
Oh God, I want to. <laughs> but that is something I feel like Jackie Taylor would do. Probably, but this Jackie Taylor sucked. Uh, I'm ready for real Jackie she Taylor. Really uh, also, so we mentioned the lab teacher earlier. This, I mean, like this, this felt the most out of place to me. This guy, like he felt like a real say by the bell character. Like that's what he jumped out to me as he's got the classical music playing. He's making fire with the Bunsen burners. And then he's like creepily moving as they're taking the test. He's fondling the bust. Mm-hmm. I don't know who the fuck that statue was he had, but he's like fondling it on his desk. Like it was just very odd, this guy. And we kind of, yeah, we kind of see that same scene twice. Like they do it again later in the episode at least with the the classical music he's playing. Yeah. And I don't know, like to your point, once was probably enough. Um why nuns, are we like nuns, we're very would have been we're very focused on these teachers, him the Spanish teacher, the principal, like we just didn't need it was I mean, I don't know. I guess they're trying to make it more high school job. I'm curious when they decided to move away from this because I really feel like yeah. going forward we barely see class. Unless, the, again, the teacher is a big focal point later, like, you know, like Gil Myers and stuff. But, like, we do see some. But at this point, like, it just seems like they were really, foc- like, focusing on making it about high school when we were going to see classroom stuff. Because there's at least, like, eight or nine classroom scenes in this episode. And you know what I think that is? Um, I have heard – now, I don't know. This may be totally bogus. But I have heard that Aaron Spelling originally was trying to purchase the rights to – the Degrassi franchise, Degrassi mm-hmm. Junior High, Degrassi High, which were then contemporary Canadian um, shows, a, a teen drama, kind of Saved by the Bell, but more serious um, and and more kind of serialized. But they wouldn't sell. So he was kind of pissed and said, well, I'll just make my own version of that for uh, an American market, essentially. Right. So. A lot of these types of tropes, a lot of the things we're sort of singling out as pilot pilotitis are kind of hallmarks of Degrassi, as I understand it. Like, it's very issue of the week. They're all, right. like, every episode feels like a very special episode. Um, they're all morality plays. They have, it's an extremely large, uh, sprawling cast, people from different social circles that don't all they're not all friends and they don't even necessarily know each other all in this, you know, this Degrassi universe. And and I think that this is in 90210, we sort of see those influences where I don't think it was originally set up to be the whole gang and they're all friends. Like it's, it's probably Brandon and Brenda as, as kind of our point of view characters. And then you've got the, and they're, they're doing the every man gimmick um, for our benefit but you've got Steve, who who you know represents the popular crowd with Kelly. Um, you've got Andrea, um, who is you know very academic, uh, achievement oriented. Um, Scott, who's a total dork. Mm-hmm. Um, David, who's like you know the aspiring nerd. But they aren't necessarily all gonna get along. And the Walshes are maybe just our our links to these, right. these different worlds. Um, and, and Donna's barely a character, right? Like, it's just, um, she, the one she's thing the like pilot got right. Yeah. Just a glorified extra in this mm-hmm. pilot. But I, I think that that's how it was set up originally is just to sort of resemble that, just that model, um, right. that template and, and they just move away from it. Yeah, when, it changes quick. Yeah. When the show, yeah, the show just develops its own identity. Um, uh, well, so for the quick, better. it does change. We will. Um, 
All right, I wanted to hit our second category because it's right around here that we can really step up our conversation. And one of our categories we're going to talk about is best hookup. Uh, and I think, uh, and again, the reason I'm doing this one now is I, I feel that very confidently that we're going to be on the same page with Brandon and Marianne. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Well, we don't I, have a ton of competition and ton of options for this category. But yeah, I mean, that's a pretty hot one. She's great. I mean, she's a queen. Like, I, I mean, she really should have stayed around. I thought she was perfectly casted. Mm. And, um, you know, from the, the meeting at the party to the first date to the, you know, him talking to her at lunch where he's kind of flirting over the peanut butter and jelly and the salmon. <laughs> yeah, she's got the Walkman on. Like, I, I thought that was really well done. And then, of course, things get a little crazy where, uh, you know, Brandon's he's the one that wants to slow down in the hot tub. And basically, like, hey, let's get to know each other. And she's like, kind and of, his rationale for that was so 1990. Also, right. I felt like it, it's not he doesn't tell her, like, hey, let's let's pump the brakes because I'm not ready for this. He frames it more as you're the girl. Why are you right. making advances on me? Why are you making the first move kind of thing? <laughs> like, it's right. it's, it's like, really you should like, want to take it slow. Uh huh. Uh huh. And it's so it's like it's kind of. I mean, it could be read in a way that's sort of gross, but I, I just took it as that is so of its time. Um, and, and it's not meant to come across as, you know, offensive or sexist or whatever. It's just I think someone watching that for the first time today who is maybe unaccustomed to, you know, this type of media would be like, what? <laughs> so that that was one of those. Oh, OK. More things change. huh? And then beyond that, too, he so we kind of get the America Pie moment with him at the track, you know, with the Oz tell, telling Stifler he's going to bang. Uh, what's her name? <laughs> like, it's kind of similar to that. Right. So <laughs> yeah. they're like, what what happened? He's like, oh, I did something you could never do. And, and really, Brandon didn't lie. Right. None of them probably going to set that hot tub and turned her down. Right. So he kind of says, I did something. No, no, none of you would have ever had the ability to do. And they take that as that means he he hooked up with Marianne. So they immediately start spreading the rumor. Now the rumor's all around that Brandon banged her. Uh, and this is my next point. What's up with this school DJ? Uh, <laughs> Look, he, out of he his made mind, the wild thing, wild thing spot. Out of his mind, he's talking about relationships. Like, what are we yes. doing? He's like, oh, the newest hot blast. relationship. Putting Steve on blast for getting drunk at the party and just. Yeah, so what the hell's going on? What are we doing? Weird. Um. Principal Jack, we mentioned him earlier. What a player. He's like making moves on the Spanish teacher. Mm -hmm. uh, first, he's like, you're too Spanish, basically. Uh, <laughs> you're you need to, to be less fired. Spanish in your Spanish he's, class. Yeah. And he's like, how about dinner Friday night? He's like, fucking guy. Um, I love that scene because he, so at first he's being kind of the, the academic hard ass, telling right. Brenda and Brenda, you know, it, it's going to be tough. You're going to have to really crack the books here. This is going to be so much different from, from Minnesota. We do things differently. We pride ourselves on on academic excellence here at West Beverly. And then he drags the, the Spanish teacher into his office like, look, um, your class is too hard. So <laughs> you got to go. You got to get those grades up or you're out of here. And then you got to go to dinner with me. And, and Yeah, no, let's, uh, let's talk about it more. Over dinner. Uh, all right, so. My second favorite scene, and really in a way, it's a cousin of the our, my favorite scene. Uh, mm. So Steve's in class, and he's got this alarm with him. And what happened along the line is basically David had Scott's prized Lakers hat that yeah. had Scott's name in it. And he leaves it. He had left it in Steve's car the night of the accident. So now they're panicking because this whole time Steve has been trying to track down who the nerd was that wrecked his car. He and he doesn't remember. He was so drunk. Blackout drunk. Yeah. And no one knows who the fuck David was. So like no one can pinpoint him. 
but they're living on the edge because in this car is a hat with Scott Scanlon's name on it. So uh, they decide they have to go break in the car and get the hat. So they go to do that while Steve's in class and Steve's like has a tracker sitting on his desk that goes off <laughs> and he just fucking takes off. And I thought he's this was in tremendous. the middle of class. Yeah. He just leaves and he's carrying the alarm. He's running out and David and Scott are like trying to get the hat out of the car and they don't make it out in time. And like Steve's about to murder Scott and David admits it was him. And I, I mean, I thought David was amazing here talking his way out of it. Yeah. He's like, man. basically like, look, Rick I saved speak, your fucking man. ass, man. Like, and by the way, if you have insurance, you can, you can lie and just say like, it costs more and you'll make some money on the whole thing. And that mm-hmm. immediately is onto this. Steve's like a scam artist or like, not me a scam artist, but like a Ponzi scheme type of guy. He right? admires always, a good grift. Yeah. Yeah. He's always looking for the next buck he can make. So David picks up on that. Uh, I thought those two uh, really stole this episode as a combo. I, I thought they were tremendous. This whole episode and this scene and the driving scene were great. Yeah, they they did. I I would um that that is really neck and neck for me too. Just Steve bolting in the middle of class is hysterical, oh, and so then it's just like there's no consequences, of course, because it's Beverly Hills and it's Steve. But he had that alarm with him, like he knew, like he was yeah, just waiting. He he's like, gotcha. Like, you know, he's been sitting there waiting for the perp to come back to the car. So Yeah, sitting there with this elaborate setup on his, his desk in school. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, um, and then, so, you know, Brenda obviously was moving way too fast with Jason, the lawyer. Uh, I guess it fits her age. She's kind of now gotten a little smitten with him and it's kind of naive to the whole thing. Uh, mm-hmm. But I love the scene at dinner. With Jason's friends. I thought they were hilarious. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> this guy, Ron, of course. So Brenda says she's majoring in, in astronomy. And Ron's all into astronomy. Um, and he's, he asks, like, what's a black hole or whatever? And his wife, I don't know if it's his wife or his girlfriend. Or he goes, who cares, Ron? Who cares, Ron? <laughs> she what a bitch. Uh, but that was really funny. So, like, he's asking these questions. And she's just, like, shitting all over Ron God. as he's trying to ask. And in a way, she's inadvertently bailing Brenda out. Because he's asking shit she clearly doesn't know. She's trying to explain mm-hmm. what the black hole is. And um, I don't know. I thought that was really funny. I thought they were good. God, yeah. The dinner scene was, um, I mean, Brenda looks ridiculous, of course. She can't really pull this off. But she's inadvertently getting some help, as he said, from this friend group. Um, uh, yeah, I want to see I want to see a dedicated spinoff for uh, Jason's Friends. And, <laughs> and that could be the title of the show, Jason's Friends. Jason's Friends. Yeah. And, and that's all they do. It's just They, they have these dinners. Um, that you know makes clear that everyone <laughs> hates each other and yeah. who cares ron who cares ron so then brenda finally comes clean to jason and she thinks like that he's like gonna be cool with it she's like mm-hmm. you know you said i could tell you anything you know she's willing to put out for him um I and it's you. funny that, but it doesn't cross her mind like she's willing to sleep with him but like it's statutory rape. <laughs> like, I don't think six right. to get your consent. And call, I don't that think never comes up. Right. It's like, she just thought it'd be cool and he'd be fine with it. Like, so I like in Jason's defense, I get why he's pissed. He's like, what the fuck? Like, you know, I wanted to have sex and are you kind of got me in, you know, put me in jail. Right. And he threatens yeah. to sue her parents, which, which that's that's not a, that would work. <laughs> I think that's a step too far. Uh, you know, it's on him to not maybe completely vet her age. Before Good luck. Her. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of an oddball, um, but, uh, you know, I do think, you know, I can see why he was so mad, right? Because uh, she put him in a very precarious position where if they would have went through it at that first night and, you know, all of a sudden now here he is having sex with a 60-year-old. So. Yeah, I don't know. I guess that's where my head cannon comes in where I'm like, mm, he knew already and this is how he's... It's okay with it. How he's dumping her. Like, he's again, he's kind of getting off on the power flex here. 
Um, which I mean, I think a lot of that might just be informed by, you know, recent years. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't pick that up. I, I really, that kind of thing does happen and did happen. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe he was one of those type guys. Uh, I, I thought he was just more aloof to it and thought she was 18 at least. Because, uh, I mean, she, obviously, she, she still is a goaler uh, than 16. So Yeah. Uh, and I think, I mean, I know he's supposed to be 25, but he reads as, I mean, like a lot of cast members on this show, he, he looks a lot older than 25. Right. You know? I can see why a 25-year-old would think she's maybe 18. I guess, yes, if, if he looked like an actual 25-year-old, right. this would be a, a little less. And, and if he truly seemed convinced that that she was you know at least 18 or i don't know maybe you had to be 21 to get in that club for all i know i i have no idea um i i might be more swayed but yeah i, I just <laughs> thought eh, this guy's a scumbag kind of thing after that that uh blow up but so, especially the i could sue your parents like well no, that was good yeah, <laughs> no you could <laughs> You're just a lawyer trying to lawyer his way out of this. So he drops her off and they're done. Brenda hugs Cindy. Um, But so the other thing I just want to point out before we do our next category. uh, Another big thing here already is that Brandon already finds out about Andrea living on the other side of the tracks. Like Mm. I didn't realize how quick that came in too. She runs away from him basically after school and he he follows her bus. That's right. uh, We did a a chase, a suspenseful chase sequence. Yeah. With uh, dramatic music and everything. And he's pretty aggressive. He's like, why are you here? <laughs> why, why do you live here? Uh, why do you go to West Beverly? So, you know, and then she admits to him that basically, you know, why is it fair? You know, just because I live here, I can't go to the best schools. Bullshit. And uh, she uses her grandmother's address to go to West Beverly and she trusts him now. So they kind of have this bond already where right. Andrea has trusted him with this big information about her that can really screw up her future. So, yeah, well, and um. <laughs> He kind of leaves her no choice. Like it, it's not like he threatens to blackmail her or anything, but no, no, yeah. she's going to be somewhat reluctant to cross him now. I feel like just because he he is in possession of this information that um, would be very damaging to her. But to your point, I yeah, I remember this being kind of a later season mm-hmm. one subplot. Not I didn't know that this was established right there in in the pilot. And it probably um, leads her on a little bit, too, because, like, I think she's probably like, wow, he cared enough about me to follow me. Like, he's mm-hmm. actually the first person to give a shit enough to follow the bus. True. Yeah. Where I live, right. So, yeah. all right, let, let's hit the rest of these categories uh, before we do some ranking. So uh, I wanted to do one called most important scene. Yeah. And I think you need a little foresight here. And I, I know when you do these types of shows, sometimes you play dumb a little bit, right, <laughs> of what's to come. But I do think. For this, I want to see how much, how many seeds are planted on like big things that happen later. So, um, I, I, I kind of comboed this, but I went with uh, Brendan Kelly and Brandon and Steve meeting in class. Like I, to me, that was like the most important scene of this episode. You know, when it came to being okay. current into the future. Yeah, I, and I went with, I mean, kind of along similar lines, just Brandon and Kelly making eyes at each other, mm-hmm. um, or, or just making those passing comments, which. It's not even, I mean, it barely registers here, but knowing, as we do, what is to come with these characters and their history, that that just feels like a big one that's um, almost blatant, and, and you wonder why it was such a shock later to people when they did finally hook up. Yeah, I'd be curious how much they mentioned it, because um, there has to be something there, not to jump too far, but even when we did that episode about the 60s yep. throwback, um, you know, like in Brenda's mind, like Brandon is Will and, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Kelly was Michelle, and he had a thing for like so. The sixties versions of yeah, them I had like the hots for each other. There, you know, too. So, all right. Uh, next category is most nineties look, and I think there's a lot in this episode. Oh my god, yes. Um, but I went with Brandon's Canadian tuxedo. Okay, which, I've got it on a, the list. <laughs> very Minnesotan, early nineties to a T, with the jean jacket. Um, I guess it wasn't a full Canadian tuxedo because he didn't have the jean shirt, but sure. he had the jeans with the jean jacket, and the white shirt. So. That's on my list. Um, I mean, Brandon's also got the Canadian Mist mullet, um, which uh, I mean, that's not going to that's not going to stick around more pilotitis. Um, So, I mean, it's not he doesn't look hideous with it or anything, but it's certainly not the Brandon you think of when you think of the show. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I had a lot of contenders here. You had David's sort of vanilla ice cosplay Mm -hmm. like the next day at school after the party where he's, you know, he's hiding out from Steve. Um, Steve himself uh, in Spanish class with his Izod Lacoste shirt. Um, that's very where it's at for preppy early 90s, um, you know, jock. Um, but I, I ultimately, I went with uh, Kelly, who I think is going to maybe have this. She'll win a lot of these, yeah. Yeah, this, this, this is going to be locked up by Kelly, I think, for me um, moving forward, which... I don't know how to describe it other than, um, again, it, it's after the party. It's just her and, and Brenda and Donna's in the scene along with her other two extras. Uh, but she has on like this purple blouse with a, a hot pink blazer and knee high blue leggings. Um, and I think she may even have bicycle shorts on over the leggings. <laughs> I, I can't tell if that's a separate piece or not, but it's, it's the most gaudy, like, eye-popping sort of clash of colors but it, it's such a 1990 like the layers i think of as very 80s but the colors right. are, are super 90s yeah, well it's a good blend because we're in 1990 so she's a little ahead of the time actually with it probably. yep yep all right uh brenda had a few looks similar to that but nothing is as close to kelly's all right most 90s moment again uh, you know this actually there weren't as many that jumped out at me as i thought there would be in this um Maybe without the music, a little bit didn't help, but I, I didn't see as many glaring 90s things. So I went with uh, Marianne with the Walkman sitting at lunch. Oh, uh, that's a big good one. kind of thin metal headphones with the big, uh, you know, like, I don't know what those things called. Like, yeah, like Nerf material, the ones they used to go on your ear. That's um, one. Um, I went with uh, another Marianne moment, which was uh, Marianne writing her name. On Brandon's arm yes, using yes. lipstick. That's a good one. When has anyone ever done that since? I, I started panicking for Brandon, um, how he was going to keep this intact. Oh, my God. Yep. He's smart enough to memorize it, hopefully. But I immediately started thinking, well, just take a picture with your phone, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, you can't. So, yeah, I was like, oh, man, I was like getting nervous warm. Runner up, probably that club scene also. Just the whole, you know, the lineup of people trying to get in. Yep. It's, the place is called, what, the Blue Iguana, which is... Such a, I mean, we all had clubs with these <laughs> these names like that in the 90s. Pretty and, good Mexican uh, place in Salt Lake City, the Blue Iguana. There you go. <laughs> it's either a Mexican restaurant or a club. <laughs> um, and the bad fake IDs, of course. Just That's a totally 90s thing. All right. Uh, so I went, uh, one of our last categories here, uh, best lesson learned. Oh, God. So this could be a lesson learned uh you know, by you, the viewer, by the characters. And I had two here. Uh, they're very similar, though. They're both ID related. 
So one is never enter a club until all of your friends get in with their fake IDs. Mm, Don't go plowing into the club. And then also, before you're going to try and bang a girl that looks kind of young, check her ID maybe, or at least have proof of age. So those are my two lessons learned when it comes to fake IDs. On the flip side of that, I have, and this is a a very victim-blaming sort of lesson, but again, it's it's the 90s. but it seemed like the takeaway, what they leave us with at the end here is don't date grown men when you're a child. <laughs> that too, that too. Like, I think that that is sort of, the, sort of the lesson here because, I mean, not that either one of them faces any real consequences, but it's it's framed as more Brenda is the one who learns the lesson. Like nothing happens to Jason, right? It's not like yeah. he gets arrested for, you know, making out with a fucking 17 year old 16 year old whatever (laughs) oh it's insane um you know there's a little bit of uh don't spread rumors or don't um substantiate rumors by your vague (laughs) non-responses when asked about them yeah that's the one too like he kind of knew you could see it in his eye that he kind of knew what he did as he was doing it he kind of knew what he did but he he didn't want to walk it back either he he did sort of I don't know, want to leave people with enough um, suspicion, maybe. Right. Yeah, he was definitely trying to use it a little for a little bit of clout. But I also think he immediately realized he was in over his head because, you know, I think they don't really implicitly say this, but I think part of it, too, is like shit probably didn't work this way in Minnesota, right? Um, Where the rumor mill, the DJ, (laughs) like it's everywhere within like, you know, an hour, basically, like everyone knows. So. All right, we did best hookup. That was Brandon and Marianne. And then best quote. Um, mm. Not a lot to me jumped out of this one, honestly, tonight. Uh, but I went with, uh, I originally had this with most 90s, and then I switched it to best quote. And that is David saying, the babes are outrageous. Uh, <laughs> I believe he was saying that about the school. Yeah. Um, which was, uh, I thought, like a perfect 90s teen show encapsulating moment. Um something he would absolutely be thinking and he delivers it well. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I have down, I have a couple of contenders. Um, another David related one. This is Steve in response to David after, uh, after busting him in his car. God, what did I do to deserve meeting a dork like this? <laughs> um, my, my favorite is actually an exchange. So not one person, but mm-hmm. between Marianne and Brandon, Um, shortly after they meet in her very labyrinthine house, uh, she goes, Oh, you smell so good. What is that you're wearing? And he goes, I don't know. Tide. (laughs) It's just, you know, Oh yeah. Yeah. That was good. Boy from Minnesota. Um, doesn't know what to say, but is, you know, it's working for him. All right. So so let's wrap up with our final grade. Uh, I I thought it was a pretty good pilot. I thought they established a lot. It wasn't too over the top. It wasn't off-putting. I could see why it kind of caught on. Uh, pretty good for a primetime teen soap. Uh, the characters kind of feel fleshed out already, too. Like we said, they organically brought the worlds together. Didn't feel forced. We've already you know, seen that. Beverly Hills has lived before this, and these people are coming in. And you know, we mentioned earlier, but it was much less Walsh-focused than we thought. I'd say yep. maybe 65-35 Walsh, which I probably would have guessed more like 90-10 at least coming in. So it was definitely a surprise to see how non-wall centric it was. Yeah, I would agree. And and then there's things that that sort of are here for this pilot and this pilot only, so we don't get too attached to them. We don't get too hung up on them either. 
We just know that, um, you know, that's going to change. The show has not found its identity yet, but the characters are pretty well established. Um, we are missing one notable character, but that is going to correct itself um, very mm-hmm. quickly. And um, I, I just I think we've got a really good sense of who everyone is here, who all of our you know major players are in this show going forward. And, and they all sort of have a decent hook. Um, and, and it's it's so funny. It, like you said, the, it's not as Walsh Walsh centric. And I still feel like you kind of have a show here, even without the Walshes. But yeah. but they yeah. provide you with that lens into this world that that I do think is important. Right. We're joining them for the ride. in. yeah, I mean, uh, all right. So it's a very American, very aspirational sort of show. It's a teen drama. But, um, you know, <laughs> especially with it being 1990 we're you know kind of a materialistic culture let's face it um you can't just do the degrassi thing of casting ordinary looking people normal people and saying oh this is your show now and it's like that's boring that's just my life i want to see cool people doing the kinds of things that i want to be doing yep all right so that's, that's what this serves as i think so for final grade out of 10 you can do halves uh, I went five and a half out of 10. I, I thought this is a, a um, above average pilot. I thought they got a lot done. I didn't want to go too high because I know we, we get some heights to climb. Uh, yeah. But I, th- I thought this, I didn't want to go like average either. I debated five, but I feel like they deserved a little bump because I thought it was a better than average pilot. Yeah, I would agree. It is better than average. I'll, I'll get, go ahead and give it a six. Um, just because, I mean, I, I think it, it's tough to do a pilot. Um, they're almost always destined to suck even for Mm -hmm. good shows. It's just really hard. It's more like almost something you have to endure (laughs) and just get through. But this didn't feel like that. This, this actually felt like a pretty good episode of the series. And And we didn't even uh, mention it. It was a two hour too. So like it it really, that's why we had a lot to cover, but it really flew by. Honestly, like I got sucked in pretty easily. Um, and it, it, it cruised along for a two hour episode. And it, yeah, it had a lot of ground to cover. It's well-paced. Um, it's a good introduction and there will be certainly better episodes to come. Um, even in this first season, which uh, all in all, I think is a little rocky, but yeah, six out of 10 for me. All right. So really quickly, uh, courtesy of tune find, I'm going to read down the soundtrack, the uh, songs that actually aired in the episodes. And, um, once we get to a point where maybe we're able to actually watch the episodes with the music, we can we can talk best songs for each. But I'll just list. Uh, so the beginning scene, Brandon's alarm clock goes off. It's I Want Your Love by Transvision Vamp. Yep. Uh, then we get the West Beverly introduction. That is All Want is Everything by Jellyfish. Great 90s band. Yep. The Motion of Love, Gene Loves Jezebel is the song playing at the club. <laughs> Attacked by Monsters by the Meat Puppets is Marianne's Party when Brandon arrives. They are playing live at this party, which... You can see on Hulu. Yes, um, then cut out, yeah, cut out well. in the other versions. But uh, for some reason on Hulu, we we actually get to see the band playing these. Which That's a big I mean, get right there. I get the meat, meat puppets. The meat puppets, right? Yeah. Which um, I wrote so down they, as meat puppers for some reason. They also play Paradise uh, when Steve's talking to Kelly. Jackson Brown's Boulevard when David drives Steve home. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clear to You by the Innocence Mission. That's when Brandon and Marianne are on the bike. And that scene, I would say, is worth going out of your way to actually find. Song. Yeah, yeah, do that on, um, again, on, on the uh, Instagram, that account I told you about, BH90210 Restored, all the way to the bottom. <laughs> you got to scroll down a bit. 
But when you see uh, Brandon and Marianne on that uh, Kawasaki, whatever it is, um, that's a pretty cool, like that's a, that's a, uh, that almost was a contender for like best scene for me, just because it was very just romantic and sort of, I don't know. Um, it it felt like a scene out of like the Lost Boys, if you've seen that movie, which you probably haven't because it's too scary. Um, True. That's all right, uh, and then Wild in the Streets by Garland Jeffries is when Brandon and Brenda are in the car. Uh, so I don't know if this is every song, uh, but it's at least the I think the it is. I, I really think it is. Um, so yeah, that should cover that ground. Okay. Here are the character debuts in this first episode. We have Brandon Walsh, Brenda Walsh, Jim Walsh, Cindy Walsh, Steve Sanders, Kelly Taylor, David Silver, Scott Scanlon, Andrea Zuckerman, Donna Martin, the fat chemistry teacher, uh, Marianne Moore, and Jason the lawyer. So I didn't include like the principal. I guess I could have, you know, I'll add on the Spanish teacher. Um, yeah. But I tried to keep it to either people that are going to stick around or like people with names that had significant roles. Right. Named characters. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's so, Kathy and Michelle who are. Yeah. And, and it's like, of, worth like I don't think we'll see them again. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I noted two relationships. We have Jim and Cindy Walsh. And then uh, Brandon and Marianne. So I don't think we went. I mean, would you count Steve and Kelly? They're not really in a relationship yet. Yeah, that's the thing. Like they were in a relationship, but it's very clearly over now. Um, I mean, he tries to rekindle it over and over, but. Mm -mm. Yeah, I don't think yet. I don't think we can put them. I need something for I need something to happen to count it. Uh, But I will add Brenda and Jason as well. That was basically a relationship on the show. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. All right. uh, Here are. Places and things, um, and things can be an actual thing or like, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess a thing. But here's what I noted for this. So basically, important pieces. So I have the the okay. wash home, but wash home number one, I called it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then West Beverly High, uh, Steve's Ferrari, the Beverly Blaze office, and mm. Andrea's house. You think I missed any like key things or places? Um, I mean, we're not going to see Marianne's house again. It's a cool setting, but it's one and done. Um, and that's going to be the story of like a lot of guest stars <laughs> throughout this first season. Yeah, yeah a lot of one <laughs> see them once and don't get too attached. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that that is going to cover it. Uh, I, I mean, maybe the blue iguana is is going to be popping up again. I it's not a name that is familiar to me, but <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you know, if it comes up again, maybe I'll go back and add it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, final thing we're going to do here tonight is the character ranking. So <clears throat> I count 10 main characters. It's pretty much, you know, Brandon, Brenda, Steve and David, Kelly and Donna, Andrea, Scott, and then Jim and Cindy. <clears throat> and that'll grow as we go. Uh, so what we're going to do is I want to combine, I want to come up with a aggregate ranking between me and you that we agree upon. Okay. And then in that ranking, they'll get assigned points. So the top character will get 10 points and then down because oh, i'm going like to use this. that a very scientific way of of yes. evaluating our characters i like it because i want to then use it to do a cumulative as we go so each yeah. episode will kind of have their rank and then they'll get points for that episode and they'll build our cumulative score of who the best character is so let's go worst to best how's that sound yeah i was gonna say i, I think it's easier to go from the bottom up okay. so i had donna martin as the worst out of the 10 yeah sort of by default i mean she's barely even a character in this Okay, I then had Winey Scott Scanlon as number two. Um, see, I kind of go, and it's not his fault, but Jim Walsh is also barely a character in this episode. 
Yeah, but like I kind of like him in the morning because he's such a dad where he's like, yeah, oh, there's a lot of gridlock on the 508. I better get out there. You know, whatever <laughs> the fuck he says. <laughs> that line might be worth it. I don't know. I, I think I put him like lower than Scott only because Scott doesn't have some actual plot significance as far as like right, it's let me his tell cat. You, let me tell you who I have in here. Now. So I have I had Jim, then Andrea, then Scott as four, three and two. So would you would you put Jim below Andrea and Scott? And then would you move Scott? Where would Scott be versus Andrea? Um, Scott would be below Andrea. Okay. Um, I, I, she, she's Andrea's positioned a little bit higher than I think she maybe deserves. Um, and we talked about this a little bit off air, but I, I would have Andrea ahead of like Jim and Cindy and Scott. Honestly, not that I want her to be, but so I had Cindy at five because I thought yeah. she was a little more active. Yes, she was. So would you? So the way I have her right now is Cindy, Andrea, Scott, Jim, Donna. But you would put Andrea above Cindy? Yes, I would. Andrea just annoyed me too. Like her trying to poison Brandon on Marianne. That was like a, that was a shit move. Oh yeah, and, and she made it. But I mean, it. You know, it, it is character development, right? Even yeah. if we don't necessarily like the character, all right, it's all right, sort all right. of. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm ready to get pushed around on my own show. All right, so this is the bottom five. <laughs> Gotta give you a flight. Come on. All right, so for the top five, I had Kelly as the, the worst of the five. Not yes. her fault. She just didn't do a ton. Yeah, I, I think that works. Okay. Then I had Brenda next. Hmm. Okay. And then, so my top three going from three to one was David, Steve, and Brandon. I, I mean, I thought David and Steve, like, completely stole the episode. I originally had Brenda second, <clears throat> but... When I thought, the more I thought about it, Steve and David's scenes to me were like the best. Like anytime they were on, I really enjoyed it. I thought we got a, a lot of good character development between the two of them. Uh, we got to see the uh, the Corvette. <clears throat> we get to see the uh, the car driving. Just like everything they had to me, like they they were already like my favorite part of the show to watch. Yeah, I mean they got our best moment and even like a runner up best moment. Yes. Um, I might flip Steve and David, but honestly, um, I'd be fine. You know, leave Brenda, you're okay with Brenda below them? I am fine with Brenda below okay. them. All right, so let's and stick with Brandon, that. That's called Brandon, yeah. Steve, David, Brenda. I mean, Brandon, the show was really, I mean, we hear Walsh's, but it was really focused a lot on him. I thought he was really good with Marianne. You could see why he's going to be, you know, fucking Brandon Walsh, right? Like, out of the game. Yeah, games, I mean, his plot, obvious. both of them get their own set, both Brandon and Brenda get their separate subplots, but his is more dialed into just the ecosystem of West Beverly, whereas... Brenda's kind of off in her own world doing this weird thing. All right. So <clears throat> the order right now with 10 points, Brandon Walsh, nine, Steve Sanders, eight, David Silver, seven, Brenda Walsh, six points, Kelly Taylor, five, Andrea Zuckerman, four, Cindy Walsh, two, I'm sorry, three, Scott Scanlon, two points for Jim Walsh and one point for Donna Martin. He's going to have some work to make, uh, yep. pick up some ground here in the future episodes. So I like it. Hey, I look, I had a blast. Uh, again, this is something I've been wanting to do for a while. So I, I don't know exactly the schedule is going to be at for this show. I'm going to try and figure it out. But we'll be back sooner than later. I'm going to have a new guest, Tim, but you will be back at some point. Um, very soon in the rotation, I'm sure. I look forward to it. Anytime. I will, I will do the show anytime. I'll, I'll move things around if need be. <laughs> look at you. working the schedule. It's gridlock. Yeah. Huh? Um, all right. So in the next episode, we'll cover the green room. That is... Uh, season one, episode two, there'll be a very, uh, big debut in that episode. Of course, like we hinted at earlier, we'll be talking about that. Uh, Tim, really quick, just where can we find your social media? 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I am at Psych68CYKE68. All right. You can find out everything else Tim has going on in the world of podcasts via that. You can find me at JT the Pod Guy on Twitter, NorthSouthConnection.podbean.com. On my Twitter, there's a pinned document with all the great podcasts you can find here. We appreciate the love. Uh, if you get a minute, just go over to Apple Podcasts or any podcast subscription service that you take part in. You can rate and review the feed. We'd really appreciate it. And if you have any thoughts as well, uh, find us on social media. You can you can send it to me on Twitter uh, or on our Facebook page, North South Connection. Uh, or I think it's just Facebook.com slash North South Connection. Leave your feedback. We'll read it on air in future episodes if there's anything I missed on this one. Uh, so thank you for listening. It's been a little dinsome, a little densome. Mm. Talk to you soon. I'm going to take care. Yeah.